Hey guys, in this week's episode, we dive into the book, The Tools by Phil Stutz and Barry Michaels, Transform Your Problems into Courage, Confidence, and Creativity. Uh, another great episode where we take some concepts and, and help you apply them to life and business. Really good read, really good conversation, and I'm super excited about it. Um, few things to note for this week. This is the last time this podcast will be known as Your Voice to the World. Um, as we talk about so much in this podcast, we're doing a tactical move. We're cutting away, we're simplifying, and we're going to rename this podcast Books to Business. So same place, everything will be the same. The social accounts will be the same. You'll just notice a different name. Uh, books to business. So uh, more great stuff to come, I assure you. I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe um, and, and leave any messages, comments. Uh, we, we always appreciate those and we'll get back to you for sure. So enjoy the episode. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next time. Welcome to your voice to the world. I'm Eddie Pinero, speaker, filmmaker, and storyteller, teaming up with Terrence McMahon, retired CEO and best-selling author. Having built multi-million dollar businesses and created lifestyle brands enjoyed by millions around the world, we've established a blueprint to do more and become more. Now we're joining forces to inspire you to share your voice and build the business and lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Welcome to Your Voice to the World. I'm Eddie. I'm Terrence. And we help you share your voice. And we help you build your business, too. And we use books to do that. And this week, we are using The Tools by Phil Stutz and Barry Michaels. And these are uh, five tools that uh, these two psychologists, I think one of them is a psychiatrist, uh, use to instantly get someone out of pain or deal with problems, the five common problems people have. And these are tools that they don't necessarily teach to go back way therapeutically to the beginning of your life. These are tools you can like literally pull out of your swipe file and apply to your life and get relief from the five common problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I was the saying, big five. Big five. And, and right, whoops, right out of the gate, um, one of the things I was telling Steve and, and Terry is, uh, from you know a psychotherapist psychiatrist like I, I wasn't sure what to expect I wasn't sure if it would be loaded with data and test cases but something they did that was really cool is they do make it I mean they're these are Harvard educated dudes you know uh, and, and they take these concepts and they make it so almost like you could you could read this to a 10 year old and they'd get something from it yeah. uh, we can teach all five tools in our time together today they're that easy to use yeah I thought you, that was impressive you, yeah, it's super impressive, and it allows, like, what, what I ever hear any of my stuff, it's all about the algorithm that you use to get a result, and what's awesome about the tool, the tools, the five tools, is there's five problems that people get, like you're dealing with a problem right now, pain, resentment, indifference, insecurity, or lack of willpower are kind of the five, mm -hmm. and then when you get a cue in your life and you see that that's happening, you can pull a tool out and use it. Uh, and the way these guys came together was kind of interesting because it's kind of like our, our evolution. Yeah. You know, Barry was, a, a, I think, a, a lawyer, went to Harvard to be a lawyer, was, uh, became indifferent with law, which is, you know, he, did, he, he experienced some pain because he didn't enjoy law and, 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 and met this guy, Phil, who had these ways to get instant relief for clients instead of waiting 
for years of therapy, he wanted to give people usable tools that they could try to see if it worked to get them a, a result, an algorithm. Yeah, right out of the gate, it was simple. like it was like been there, done that. Barry's like, I don't want to be a gray suit. I wanted to drive towards something that I love, and this was his ideal field. And that's where he met Phil. And did you find it relatable? A lot, lot of parallels uh, to to what you're doing. Yeah, there's, a, there's in many ways. Yeah, I have, I have, uh, I live with the pains. Uh, I mean, you have throughout you know I'm 52 so you, you've you've experienced pain throughout your life and then I don't, I've never had a predictable system to deal with pain sometimes I run from pain mm-hmm. sometimes um, I do well with it and then I get I, I get uh, I get away from what works because it was too painful or I get lazy or I get I get hung up in the wrong the wrong uh, environment sometimes I'm with you know you know just eating you know people want to eat just simple you know eating healthy is not easy it's not yeah it's, it's hard and there's, you create momentum when you break through that pain cycle to say, I'm not going to eat, like, let's say sugar or uh, what else is it? Carbohydrates. Those are the two ones that seem to be everyone's devil because evolution, by the way, you know, you crave them. So when you stop doing it, it's hard to do it and you get in a momentum and it works and it works and it works. And then you stop for some reason. A lot of times it's because you're hanging out with someone who doesn't have the same uh, discipline. Yeah. And you drift. It takes me to the power of habit. Yeah. Uh, Duhigg, he's like, look, we all have a certain amount of, of discipline. He's like, the best way to not eat food that you don't want to eat is to not have it in your house, period. Right. Otherwise, you'll break at some point. And I'm like, that's such a... You can't lose if you, uh, if, you, if you don't... If you set yourself up for success, you know, yeah. if you rig the game. But right. what about you, Steve? Did you get anything from it? The book? Yeah. Of course. Relatable? Um, let's see. I like how Terry was talking about he... The maze. He always finds himself in the maze. Yeah. Um, you asked me about the black cloud. I really liked the gratitude flow, the grateful flow, when he talked about uh, do those few things. But I really liked when he talked about you have the five senses. You usually only believe in the things that you can use your five senses to see. Right. But um, there you go. The gratefulness was the organ of perception for the higher power, and it was a really interesting way of putting that because you have that gratefulness and you feel that, and that's your connection to it. So it gave it like a tangible sense that you, you can all have. Boom. High-level yeah. overview of what we'll be talking about. What about you? Yeah, I did find it relatable. <laughs> I did. Um, particularly, as, as we'll go through here, probably one and two, I think, are the most just ways to deal with the emotional. Like, I get um, flashes of, uh, well, everyone does, but like emotion and thoughts pertaining to certain people and certain ideas, it takes me right away to this negative feeling. And I work my way back. I'm getting better at that, like to pull yourself up and be like, let's be logical, let's be rational, not emotional. But the way that they talk about how to do that in this book, um, I just think is is cool. I think it's very helpful. What do you see it as a business tool? This is a business, ultimately... Yeah, well, I think that the most important things, like the cliches are always the most important, Mm -hmm. you know? So like how to manage discomfort. Well, business, just like in life, is moving towards the things that make you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's, how do you do that? Or, you know, like like we'll talk about working with clients. Like sometimes that makes you want to take a long walk off a short pier, right? But it it teaches you how to, um, you know, internalize that in a way that's effective for both you, the person you're working with, and ultimately your business. So it's a lot of high-level ways of just looking at your situation that will help you be more effective. Yeah. Um, I love the um, the five pains that you walk around with that you're, as, a, as an individual or a father or, or, uh, or a sibling or a peer. 
you know, you have pain, indifference, insecurity, um, resentment, and willpower. Those are five common business pains too. Mm. I call I call them all problems. They, they talk about uh, what therapy is is a place you go to solve your problems. Yeah, that's what they talk. It's not like uh, they don't lay on a couch. They say when you feel pain, use this tool, this three step tool. Right. You know, know that the other side of pain. We've heard this before, right? You've even written about it. The other side. You know, everything you want, your infinite possibilities are on the other side of pain. So you got to go through the pain, and when you feel pain, you got to say, "Bring it on." I love pain, and pain sets me free. Those are the three, the three things they say. So that's a tool. The cue is you're in pain. You know you don't want to do something because you see there's pain coming, right, Steve? You working out? I mean, no one's more disciplined than you. I'm sure you don't wake up and say, "I want to go to the gym. I want to go, you know, eat 1,800 calories worth of food." <laughs> right. Well, um, so now it's uh, my favorite thing about habits or like discipline is I forget where I read it, but it was just having enough willpower to create that habit into a routine so now it's like like we were talking about earlier is like that those small habits add up and they just become so subconscious that you can add on top of them so now it looks like i'm doing all these strict things for somebody that's would like try to jump on the train that i'm on right now but it's really just a ton of small ones that add up that it's like to me it's effortless for the lower level ones and just you keep compounding it feels automated for you now it really does especially um certain things like nutrition I don't even think about it like you've asked me about it or something and I don't even know what it does anymore and even it's a placebo effect we talked about as well is that I don't even know I just I used to count calories for example this is a good example mm-hmm. is I used to count calories I used to eat the same thing every day because I was at home saving money and I yeah. would just eat the same thing and I'd focus on how my energy felt if it felt good if I performed well mm-hmm. I'm like okay that's like checking off the list I feel good um, this is how many calories I ate, but I did it for so long that now I kind of understand what it feels like to eat certain things that I don't have to count anymore. And that saves it, a lot of time. They now. call it intu- intuitive eating. I've I don't heard know. that before. But you said you broke it down to something small to create yeah. something very big. I think that's the key to, to pain is if it's painful, like what's that one thing you can do to, 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 to take the pain on instead of like running from it or perceiving it to be too big. Mm. Like make it small, make move towards it, not away from it. It's yeah. called the reversal of desire, right? Is that what they call it? That's what they call it. I had one that That's was the name a, of the tool. For you guys, it's like you both did speaking. And I remember when I did that comedy thing I mentioned is like I froze up and I felt like if I had that tool of like seeing my shadow of like what I was afraid of, mm-hmm. instead of trying to avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, if I embraced it, it would have been. I may, might have been able to express myself properly. Do you guys use that on stage ever? If you ever talking, like you think of that shadow. The shadow. That's. But we're bouncing around a little bit, which is cool. The, there's five, only five tools. This one talks about insecurity. The shadow is, I guess, that ugly self that you don't want people to see. Yeah. That you're insecure. Have you ever been in a meeting? And you know, influence flows out and down. So anytime you're an influence where people are of equal or lower status, you're cool. But anytime your perception is you're going up or you're climbing a ladder, the shadow's sitting there heckling you. Like, don't let them know these things about you, that you've fallen or that you're not necessarily uh, perfect. Um, and that it's, it's, I guess when you're speaking, it's even at some level worse because it's a public humiliation sometimes. But the sh- I guess that the idea of the shadow is to know and understand that we all have a shadow. We're all, you know, scared, insecure at some level. And 
when you acknowledge that and become vulnerable with it, I think people will connect with you. When you don't and you try to hide it is when I, I think you get a misfire on your, your connection. Yeah. You missed the mark. I felt that. And they do a nice job articulating that. Like the shadow, they take uh, Carl Jung's idea of, uh, uh, you know, everything you're insecure about being your shadow. And it's going to follow you around no matter where you go, what you're doing. There's always these fears that things you don't want people to see. And so they talk about that in terms of don't don't try and repress it. Um, Pull it out. Give it a face. Know that it's with you wherever you go and you can defeat it. And, you know, it's funny, Steve, to your question, I remember... I wouldn't really call this public speaking, but it, I did uh, in my previous job, a, uh, we had to do like for the higher ups this presentation and it was like a semicircle of all the executives like surrounding a group of us and I went up and it was like, it was like the wheels falling off the wagon in real time. It was, I still remember it. It was like a traumatic experience. <laughs> it was so, so, so bad. And my thought, like you do what a lot of people do at that point, you associate that act with pain. So right. it's like, oh my God, I never want to speak again. <laughs> if, if you asked me back then, if it would be my career path, I would have said you're clinically insane. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I built my career, my brand around running in the rain, doing the little Mm. uncomfortable things. And, you know, when you start to look at pain as, um, you know, the little building blocks that you ultimately stand on, like you start to, you go, yes, this is going to suck. But I know when I walk out, I'm going to be a little bit better. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just like going to the gym, you know, it's like the, you go once and you don't see payoff. It's a little sheet of paper that you don't see in time, but eventually, you know, you can stand on a stack of paper. They add up. Um, that's all mental shift. And in public speaking, especially, it's one of the most common questions you get is like, how do you do the public speaking without flipping out? And I've heard a lot of different, there's a lot of different algorithms and classes and courses on how to do it. Yeah. And one that I've seen that I, it kind of reminds me of this concept of the shadow because their algorithm, I'll explain in a second. It's really simple and quick. Uh, we'll leave you a link to to this in the in the in the notes on what the tool is. It's so simple, but picture someone naked. You know, picture the audience naked was one of the things. Did you ever hear that one? Of course, yeah. Well, the audience isn't naked. They're all have their clothes on, but every one of them has a shadow behind them. Mm. They're all the same. Everybody is is going through the same subconscious insecurity struggle we are. And I think that their algorithm is take a look at before you speak. You look at your shadow and you visualize what that shadow looks like. You know, for me, it's a, a young person who's made a lot, a lot of mistakes, doesn't, is overweight, is, is not really pleasant looking, um, but is a good person. So me and that self, that shadow self can now address the audience saying, here I am, this is where I am and where I've been and where I've come from and this is who I was and here we are. Mm. That kind of helps. Tell them the, the example the with, the, with the woman, how she was afraid of the group of women and then the other women were afraid of her. That's like a really good... Yeah, she was a model. So she was. Uh, she came from nothing, broken home. Her husband had left her. She had a, a, a child and the, and the, uh, she was trying to get him on a good soccer team and go to a private school. She got him into the school and then she never felt like she was good enough because she kind of snuck in under the radar. She was super attractive because she was a model. And she was trying to fit in with these more uppity, the perception of more uppity people. And she always got shunned away. So she tried to do speech lessons to talk like them. And then they, they just kind of ignore, ignored her. And then ultimately, they were forced to be on a bus ride together. And they just started talking. And they, she basically just said, hey, you guys don't like me anyway. 
and she was herself. And they said, no, we, we just think you think you're better than we are. So they found out they were both, they were both going through the same exact oh, thing. Yeah. They, like the other girls were all at the gym getting personal trainers because they wanted to look better and she wanted to fit in. So they just never communicated uh, with their shadows. It probably would have worked. Kind of interesting. Yeah, it was cool. Like, have you ever been in a meeting with someone and you're like, you're feeling each other out and you think you're as good, maybe you're not, you're just not sure. Your shadow's barking in your ear, their shadow is barking in their ear too. I almost guarantee it. Yeah. Um, and the more you can be yourself, I think, I think the more more vulnerable you'll get. I know Brene Brown did a did a pretty famous TED talk on the concept of vulnerability, but I think the shadow brings your more true self to the meeting instead of this facade, like social media kind of gives you that illusion that I'm really this perfect person when the reality is I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. We are what we are. Mm. Uh, and that, and I think that's the opportunity to make a connection. I remember my grandfather saying that when I was a kid, everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. Like everyone's just people. Everyone's got their own insecurities. Everyone's so like, would you agree with the fact that confidence is the differentiator on stage? Like for me, like you can talk in front of a mirror 50 times, you mm -hmm. can do whatever, but there's nothing like just commanding the state, being confident in what you have to say. And it's almost like working towards that. I think confidence comes with the, you know, believing in your, the reality of it, you know, to speak to Ryan Holiday's book about stoicism, like accepting for the way they are and own it and endure. I think confidence comes from the knowing, you know, the knowing that you will work and outwork everybody because it's as, as little confidence as you may have. If you, if it's backed up with uh, perseverance and, and hard work, you'll, you'll make it. Yeah. Uh, learning to trust yourself. Yeah. I mean, to, to speak to your grandfather, uh, it's easy to put your, your pants on one leg at a time when you're an admiral. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he was an admiral. That's kind of an interesting, you know, that's, that's uh, to speak to, you know, the military, you know. Yeah. And he, he came up, you know, uh, Roxbury, which is a really poor suburb of Boston, mm-hmm. was at the time he didn't have anything, um, you know, really the American dream, you know, always working multiple jobs. He always tells me the stories. Like it's amazing on Christmas seeing like what it's like now. When I was a kid, I remember my grand, my, my father gave me an orange once, like that's what was under the tree. Right. And, um, you know, and I, and I think that humility, uh, in the way he approached life, you know, really helped him throughout every, every stage. I mean, that was, uh, mass maritime. He was, uh, towards the end of his life, he was the president at mass maritime. And I, you know, my, my father works there. Like I, I, I'm there a lot. And so one of the things that people say all the time is, you know, he was so down to earth and he was so relatable. Um, and that's something that I aspire to, you know, yeah. uh, take from him. Well, that's basically a general, right? Well, it's, it it's is a equivalent. General. Right. Yeah, so yeah, the, you, know, you got to understand that. That's like a CEO on double steroids. It's super hard to be that level. And to, to get that level of accomplishment, your grandfather must have been through hundreds and hundreds of different journeys where the, he faced pain, he took action. He felt indifferent, he endured. He felt um, insecure, he overcame. Right. And he kept, and he, every time you do that as a, as a person, you evolve. And you figure out tools of your own that help you get past these, you know, these common pains to get the ultimate level of accomplishment. 
Um, I think that's the human condition, like continuing the journey. And I mean, I don't know, you know, I retired a few years ago, like my life didn't end then. I was capable of not working or doing something, but it, it wouldn't have been worth living if that were the case because you become bored very quickly. Yeah. So I'm sure for the day he died, he was probably bettering himself. And I can tell you what helped him do that is is for sure. Saw this firsthand is confidence, which came from his not like there's nothing about American history he didn't know. He was the most well-read human being. Like you could dive into any conversation, and right. and I think like that just goes to show you, you know, the the there's a little bit of a parallel or tangent here, but mm-hmm. you know, the book a week, two books a week right. thing. Uh, it's not negligible. It's everything. It yeah. really, cause it gives you the confidence. Anytime you read a book, you know, we're talking about like little things that build you up. Yeah. It makes you a little it's like injecting uh, progress into your brain yeah. to make you a little bit stronger to, you know, that whole confidence is earned thing. We were, you and I were talking, Steve observed this conversation last week when we were wondering whether or not our format for this podcast was the correct format. Right. And we had kind of a breakthrough epiphany because we discovered if, if we don't get the business result out of the podcast that we're looking for, we both read and, and hyper-learned a book a week. So we get the direct benefit as entrepreneurs and leaders and people of the, the, the knowledge that's embedded in these books. Right. And we try to take these books and these ideas and curate them. You know, we help you see what you can use you know, take these books to your business. But that was a big part of, of, uh, of a discovery that I made last week is that no matter what, um, gobbling up a book every week, which is painful, so you got to do the work. I had, I had almost none of this book read Friday. So I had to read it over the weekend, a lot to do, but I, it was important to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I took the action, I created momentum, finished the book, enjoyed it, loved it, and here we are teaching it. Yeah. Um, I think it's amazing. And at 2.0 speed, you feel like you still have that morning run mentality. It's like, haha, I'm doing this faster than everyone else. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, That's an algorithm in itself. You know, how to, how to take in a book quicker. So you read it at two, two, you hear it, listen to it at two, right? Two. It took me about maybe three years to get to that point. I was at 1.25 for a while yeah. and I've like really comfortable with it now. Yeah. And that's, that's helpful. What I do, and I, I was doing one up until a few weeks ago when you were doing two, because you're a goblin. All of a sudden, you're, you're catching up and passing me in books. So I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so now I, I tried. I couldn't do the, the two. So I went down to 1.5, which I could do without with some ease. But now I open the book and read along at a high speed, and it works really well. So yeah. I could do 1.75. So I could do these books. You I mean, found a hack? Yeah. That's it's, a, a, it's, it's an algorithm. That's another thing that these uh, tools teach you is... Um, like Eddie, we was talking about, is like make these tools work for you. You got to try them. You got to test them. You got to see how they work for you and adjust them. Yeah, yeah. My grandmother was like 2.0. She's like that defeat. She, you know, because she listens to um, a lot of fiction. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah. In your case, I, I agree 100. percent It's for it's like watching a movie. You want to enjoy it. Um, and not that this isn't enjoyable, but there's like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm overly competitive. I'm always like, I want to take well, this in and move have, on to the next one. I have a weird thought that I had is like, I always read physically recently. That was started when I started reading the compound effect because I started to like study it and visually know where things were in the book. So it helped me retain it. 
But then when I started listening and I was still retaining it, a part of me wanted to keep reading because it felt better than like because people I'm like, nobody sits down and reads anymore. I'm like, I felt better than other people who listened to it. I'm like, but I'm like, but if it's holding me back from speed, like if I can kill a book in half the right. time, should I do it? And it's, it's like an experiment now and I'm, I'm retaining all of it. So I'm like, I there don't you want go, it. man. Well, there's definitely people it. listening that like to read and don't want to do it fast. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah it's like the, it's, it, it doesn't make a difference. Whatever what I love about you. these tools is it's a deliberate, and I'm not saying they work perfectly. I haven't really even used them to say that intelligently, but it is a, what I do know about it is these five pains come up pretty regularly. And if you're aware, I think one of the biggest benefits to have is awareness. If you're aware a pain is occurring, you should, it should be a trigger to do something. You know, they have a, they have an algorithm, you know, bring it on pain. I love pain. Pain sets me free. Is there intake action? That's mm -hmm. their algorithm. But if you're insecure, indifferent, or you feel a, a resentment or you're in the maze, they call it, you know, it's a, it's a trigger to do something right. to make, to make, to make the situation better instead of having it compound worse. Exactly. Like if, the, if anything, it's yeah. awareness. Yeah. Awareness is the key. Um, What's Aristotle's quote on awareness? Isn't it really? He is a computer. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to use Aristotle it. Aristotle quote <laughs> on awareness. <laughs> Wait, before I, before I uh, look that up, have you heard of uh, Man's Search for Meaning or read that book? Man's oh. Search for Meaning? Oh, uh, by uh, Victor Frankl, yeah. yeah. There was a really interesting thing that I remember from it. It reminded me of The Shadow, which was, uh, it was I looked it up, it was Paradoxical Intention. Have you heard of that? It's um, in psychotherapy, paradoxical intention is deliberate practice of a neurotic habit or thought undertaken to identify and remove it. So basically what he was saying in the book was mm -hmm. for speaking is like, if you feel like you're going to get nervous, yeah. intentionally think the worst is going to happen. Like I'm going to get nervous. I'm not going to be able to speak at all. And if you accept that, then you eliminate it. And it's like intentionally going into that worst fear. That's a good, I got to, I haven't read that book yet. I've heard, I've heard a lot about it. And one of the things I heard about it was the, in the prison camps, there was a, someone that was going to kill themselves. And he says, I don't have a plan for my life now. Mm -hmm. I'm here. And he said, this is what the book is based upon. Maybe life has a plan for you mm. to speak for. You know, there's some, some universe at work that's got a plan. Maybe the universe put him in the prison camp so he could write that amazing book right. to help millions and millions of people. Exactly. Um, they touch on that in here, don't they? Yeah, that's what he is about the universe and you know whatever you believe in. Spiritually, we, we were non-denominational podcast. You know, if it's Allah, God, a higher power or a higher force, spirituality, um, whatever it is, something could be. You know, the belief that something's at work to to collaborate with you on your journey of evolution. I have the Aristotle quotes. What is it? Well, one is knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Yeah, that might be it. And then this one is one of mine that I bring up a lot. Is It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. I love that one because it's mm -hmm. like the awareness and it's scary to think of those like mm -hmm. painful things of like like your shadow. But if you're able to do it you and understand that you don't, you're not becoming that person, but you have to accept it so that way you can work with it. My mind that. goes right to our hyper-partisan times. It's like, I want to take that and put it on a billboard. Like, you can you can entertain a thought yeah. without, like, you know, it's okay. So what happens when someone cuts you off when you're driving? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Tell me. They um, cut you off. So this is... What do you do This now? is the maze Steve alluded to a little <laughs> bit earlier. Um, yeah, so the, <laughs> the tendency is to retreat into this, like... 
you know, yeah. maze of negativity and anger right. and whatever other, you know, thing you want to put in there. I just, stupidity just, I just have, I hate it. Yeah. Just, you know, so like, I, there's a very basic level of competency that I feel like would be a real treat if everyone had out and about, but that's not the way it is. So <laughs> I go right into this maze of like, what <laughs> just frustration. Um, and, you know, ultimately, come above that and remove the emotion and start thinking rationally. Uh, but you know, they talk about it in a very, very, you know, interesting way. It's well, don't get mad. Fluffy, right? It's fluffy. Yeah. It's fluffy. It's interesting um, though. Active love, right? It's called active love. Yeah. Yep. Sending love to that person that you might be frustrated <laughs> with. Right. Seth, remember we were talking about Seth Godin. He was said, uh, can't be curious and angry at the same time. To have that moment. right, 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 yeah. You wonder why, wonder what hurry they're in, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and trying exactly. to change the any anything to get out of the maze. The maze just costs you money. And if it's a business book, the maze just costs you money. Period. And you know, rather than take revenge or take action against whatever happened to you that you didn't invite into your world, you got to be able to deal with it. You know, with curiosity. Their their algorithm is. You know, picture yourself, you know, instead of giving them anger, give them love. You kind of flip the coin on them and say, hey, uh, I think Martin Luther King said it the best uh, in one of his speeches as he closed in front of an angry group. He said, I would rather die than hate you. So I love you. That's what King said at the end of his speech. That's that's awesome. Never heard that. He had every every right in the world to to hate the people he was talking to, but he'd rather die than, 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 than hate them. So he said, I love you. And that's kind of the idea. The algorithm is, you know, picture you're in bed, you know, surrounded with warmth and love. Breathe it in and and, and breathe it into them. Yeah. Whoever's giving you that that bad that bad vibe. I know it's a little voodoo, but super fluffy. It's, it's yeah. fluffy. But it, uh, when it comes from people with their background, it's like okay, it's almost like you appreciate it more. Yeah. You should they put curate a it. pink rabbit suit on before you do it. That <laughs> yeah, way, exactly. <laughs> that way, if you're, you, it's impossible to be in the maze when you're in a pink rabbit suit, right. blowing love out, a marginary love at you. Can't be mad at a pink <laughs> rabbit. That's well, for sure. You know, it's, I think it's uh, Tony Robbins talks about changing your state, but you know, if you just look at a different, you know, look at a problem a little differently. Like, why should I be mad at this stranger that just cut me off? It's just going to take the energy away from something. You could be listening to a great song and a total vibe, and all of a sudden someone cuts you off and, and gets you in that state. It's perspective. You know, it's another way to look at things. It's, and so in business, you know, with clients, um, you know, there are a lot of times where there's a genuine misunderstanding, and you're forced to – I mean, I you could go as far as – sending love um but like even even grasping some type of understanding of their point of view similar concept yeah okay yeah you're trying to picture yourself in their shoes type of thing exactly exactly it's like we both want the same thing again we all want to win um and so you know taking yourself down a level don't let yourself get lost in a maze and think more how can we get a result um which is a mental muscle I mean, right. you can train yourself to do that um, so that your instinct is not maze. It's, you know, let's solve it. Right. Let's solve it. Yeah. And sometimes it helps to be, the, you know, the term objective. I mean, I've learned, I've learned so much from so many books uh, that comes out. Like, remove yourself from the experiment and look down on it as if you're an observer. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, you're objectively looking really at objective. this thing unfold. And you don't know what the, you know, if you're observing that, oh, I wonder why that guy cut that person off, that, that guy with the nice black Cadillac versus instead of saying, oh, he's on his way to the hospital, you know? 
Right. And this, you know, instead of being in the in the in the middle of it, uh, that kind of helps too. So at the end of, of each of these chapters, people ask questions, mm-hmm. and someone asks, like, "Well, what, like, isn't constantly, you know, taking that route of, you know, appreciation, being understanding, doesn't it make you vulnerable? Like, doesn't it, you know, you'll get walked all over?" And he has a good point, right? Barry says, um, "You're never." You know, it's not that you're hiding your emotions or that your emotions, it's it's that you're never making the right decision when you're knee deep in emotion. So you want to take a step back, let that subside, uh, because then, you know, the real you can come out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never, you are not your emotions. You are sort of what's underneath them. You just got to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Very few things work well when you're in an When you're mad. Yeah, very yeah. few. It's, yeah. it's almost never. Uh, Hemingway used to write drunk letters to uh, <laughs> people that criticize his books, and his wife would pluck them out of the mailbox. Oh, really? That, yeah. <laughs> he'd be drunk, and he'd be, he'd be all emotional. He's a great writer, of course, because you're quite, you're quite uh, eloquent with your words in a very quick fashion, so I don't like getting arguments with you because you can zing fast. <laughs> I just kind of leave it alone. But you can't take back things like that sometimes. Um, so he wrote, writes the letters and she plucked them out. Lincoln wrote a famous letter to uh, the general at the Potomac that lost that, that, that had, I forget the general, but his wife plucked the letter too. Um, so the, emotions aren't usually the best, the best way to go into anything. But there's also one last tool. There's two, but one, one, one is there's four basic tools and there's one tool that rules them all. It's like the Lord of the Rings is... Uh, no one cut you off, but you're in a cloud, like you're in a, like a, a state of, we called it, you and I agreed upon indifference Yeah. or blah. <laughs> what would you call it? You ever, you, you, of course, you're on a sugar high all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'd call it, but it kind of like a fog or a haze. A fog, yeah. yeah. Like you're just off. Right. And, and uh, what, do you, what do you do for that? That's the grateful flow, he calls it. The, f- the picture he has for that the black cloud is you, have, you use grateful flow. Yeah, yeah, it breaks through that cloud and you're connected to something higher. So right. you connect yourself to something higher. Yeah. Like you like that. You were talking about it this morning as you yeah. came in. I like the one. The, the example he gave was the, I think he was riding on a bus to the gym, to the, the YMCA to play basketball. And he has to go through the rough neighborhood. And he says, like, every New Yorker, he just looks oh. straight ahead and avoid and, uh pretends everything around him's not happening the dope dealers on the corner and stuff but i think it was his last time going if i'm getting this correctly and then he when he gets off the bus he sees his surroundings the rubble the right like graffiti and all that he sees it with through a lens of gratefulness that he's leaving or that he's like has memories from it so he sees it through a lens of love and he sees it so differently mm-hmm. just from right. seeing it through gratefulness so he's able to break through that cloud of all that just from like that emotion i don't know if it's an emotion or just a feeling but they say it's like an organ of perception, which I really liked. Yeah, because he had a medical scare. I guess it was a medical scare that he had. Oh, right, right, right. That Because uh, his brother died of cancer when he was a little kid. And he was uh, trying to protect... He was, he was sick, and he was protecting his parents from knowing the information because his parents went through the loss of, a, of his little mm-hmm. brother. And finally, uh, it got bad enough that they had to do the test. So he finally got the test back, and he was fine. So that one time he went through the the neighborhood, right. he was starting to say, "Wow, this is a great, this is a cool neighborhood. Look <laughs> at all the rubble. Look at the graffiti. Look at the diversity that I can experience." He was looking at things, just appreciating <laughs> yeah. it. And the algorithm is just: if you're feeling that way, find five things that you can be grateful for, 
Yeah. That's the tool. That's it. And power of gratitude. It's hard to be like, you know, it's hard to do something bad when you're feeling so good. It's another example of pulling yourself up out of emotion. And then that, I'm, that light bulb's kind of going off. That's really what all these are. It's like pulling yourself up out of an emotive state, kind of like how you said it, objectively. Right. And it's just different ways to do that. I, I, you know, like for me, we do so much in so many different areas. I always say, because this is relatable to everyone, the, the social media component of our business is so prevalent. Mm-hmm. But it's the front-facing thing. Like, there's so much we do behind the social media that's arguably more important. Yeah. And so, when it, what comes to mind to me is like when things like the detail goes wrong, and it feels like the world's falling down, and you're frustrated, and you know you get that fog of I want to say chaos. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, dude, there's think about how silly and trivial this is to be angry about this or upset about this. You have so much to be thankful for, right. everything to be thankful for. Um, and that's kind of what I took away from that. You know, personally, yeah. everything's sort of contextual to your own experience. Yeah. But that type of thing, I just get like lost in silly stuff sometimes when you're trying to juggle a lot. So when you can step back and be like, nope, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything else that's just... Yeah. There. Wouldn't you wouldn't you like to play yesterday like you were controlling a, a character in a video game? Like you can replay yesterday all the things oh, you did and, and the tools that you use for the good or for the bad for situations. Yeah. My mother and I were my mom's visiting from uh, New England and we got on an elevators as a little girl. She couldn't have been any more than five years old and she's in a wheelchair and she was playing with uh, a toy and she was this giant smile on her face. And, you know, my mom's talking to her and she's and the girl's talking back and the girl was French. She didn't speak any English, but she's still smiling. I'm Universal sure she, language. They were just both smiling and enjoying smiling, each other. Not but French. as I'm leaving <laughs> the elevator, I'm like, wow, like, I'm so grateful uh, that that experience happened, but also that it, I'm fortunate enough to be healthy and yeah. able to do what I'm doing. So you look at yesterday and you know, I look at that. Imagine if you can play yesterday like you were controlling a character in a video game using tools when you feel sad indifferent insecure pain or you just forgot to do something which is the last tool willpower you just stopped doing it or forgot to do it it worked once you used it you got results and then it didn't work Hmm. it stopped so well we stopped doing it i've seen that a million times in business things that work you just just all of a sudden no reason move away from we do it of course yeah we stop doing things that work that's why morning sessions are so important I think, you know, I, it adds a huge, um, it's a little hinge on our day. I'll speak for me on my day mm-hmm. because you can sit down and you can think about all the things that um, you're grateful for. It's a, you know, it's an algorithm, right? Because before we started this podcast, I was trying to ask Steve, like, what's, what's your black cloud? And he, you know, he, he runs a, like we were having kind of the argument, like you're always going to have a black cloud and he's in such a routine. You're probably one of the more routine human beings I know. Uh, and morning session is a routine. It's a, it's an algorithm to get up, to get, to take some, some, in, some inspiration in to journal, to, to plan your day out. But when you have those routines, I think the key to this is all having routines and systems to deal with the emotions sure. of yeah. life. Yeah. Um, one thing I liked with the source, when he talks about connecting to it, the gratefulness, you, it's like your perception of the source, the higher power, whatever you want to call it, that feeling of love. And if you can feel that, and the one thing I haven't heard before, because a lot of these books talk about gratitude journaling and all that type of thing, but he says uh, that source, that higher power, when you feel that, if you can remember that everything 
is stemming from that love that everything you encounter is an evolution to who you are. So it's guiding you through your evolution. If you could think of every moment, good mm -hmm. or bad, as an evolution for you, that's a really great way to feel that gratitude. Everything's really like helping it. you. Yeah, That's a, a Ryan Holiday concept, too. Mm -hmm. Everything helps you. It, you decide to make things a problem when you put emotion into it. You take out emotion, it's still the same thing. There's an obstacle and there's a solution. Same exact thing. Everything's moving you where you need to go. Yeah. And the last, the last tool was um, the Jeopardy. You know, when you're when you have urgency and you're and you've abandoned the tools because he he had a a comic that he was coaching and the comic had issues and he you know he didn't have a tool so he used the tools got all these results started doing his tool was insecurity he only told jokes to his friends. And he never auditioned for higher, bigger roles because he, he knew the jokes would work on his friends. He never stretched himself. Mm. Then he finally used the tool, got bigger gigs, became a little bit famous on a sitcom, stopped using the tools and got, got rattled. And, uh, and that, he says this happens. Like people stop doing what works and the tool is uh, Jeopardy. It's having, almost having a dialogue with your deathbed self. You know, it's looking at someone that, you know, that you're going to be dead soon, that your mortality is certain. That life is not infinite. The uh, the uncertain date of your death is the enemy of progress. And um, he actually quoted something that Ryan Holiday quoted in his book. Uh, I forget the I forget what the quote source was. He says, "A man to be hung on a fortnight concentrates his brain wonderfully. Mm -hmm. Like when you're going to die, you like certainly get clear on what you want to do." Yeah. The the. Uh the trajectory, it becomes finite. You realize there's a finish line. You yeah. gotta, yeah. You, yeah. you look at that, like the conversation, the visualization you have is with you, you know, on your deathbed saying, come on, man, did you really not do that yeah. when you could? Because you're going to be dead soon. I really liked when he talked about um, these tools constantly have to be worked. Like you're always a work in progress. You mm. never finish. That's kind of, that's what you're saying is like that guy thought he does these tools and then he's on easy street as he puts it. But you constantly have to, you're always going to get disconnected. You're always going to fall. Mm -hmm. You've always got to constantly use these tools. I love mm -hmm. that. It's, uh, how does he put it? It's, it's not a one-time thing. Oh, I, oh, oh I, I think I know what you're talking about. He says it's not a blue pill. It's a, a magic pill. It's a blueprint. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a blueprint, yeah. That's a little, little poetry stopped. there. Yeah. <laughs> like it that. never stops. I mean, you, you know, like a farmer that grows plant or grows, grows crops, they go, they're gone every season. They got to put them back in. I right. think life is that way. Nothing's ever over. I know it's, it's a little doom and gloom, but you got to keep working on something mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you end up getting uh, atrophy, right? Yeah. What do you don't use in your life? It's an evolution of self. Like we continue to evolve and we use tools to get past it. Whatever works for you, though, works. So we're not saying these are the tools that the one and only tools that these are suggestions on creating algorithms for your life. You know, when you feel this, do that to yeah. get a result. That's the magic. And at the very least, right. If you, if you, I keep knocking my mic down. If you hear these and you think, I don't want to like, I don't like the idea of spreading love in a pink bunny suit or whatever the case, <laughs> like at, at least, at least be 
I appreciate the uh, awareness, like the call to action on these five things, because when you realize the problem is we don't realize they're happening. Like no one's like, okay, what I'm going to do right now is sink into a maze, honk and give this guy the finger as he cuts me off. It just happens. And so being aware that these situations are happening all around you, mm-hmm. you know, at the very least will add a lot of benefit and value to your life. Hopefully that wasn't too preachy, I a, but <laughs> I like the pink bunny suit. <laughs> I don't know where that came hey, from. Hey, if the pink bunny suit's your thing, you know, well, it's hard to be pissed off at somebody when you're picturing yourself in a pink bunny suit. <laughs> a lot of this, a lot of these tools are visualizations, like little mind games you can play with yourself to interrupt your state. And that's what we were saying too, is that like if it's a placebo effect, if right. these actually work, change your state. If they work, they work. And right. That's what we were saying. I got a question here that kind of sums it up too. This is, I don't know how you're going to answer this, but. What do you find to be the most important tool to start with? What, is there one you'd start with? It's probably different for everybody, but I was just going to ask that question. What, what, one, really? what one do you identify most with? Um, well, I think the most important. I, I'm, I am so biased. Can I be a little stuff. out there too? And and then me and Steve will will say which one we think you should use too. Let's do that game. <laughs> Here okay? we go. <laughs> All right, um, there you go. Which one do you think you identify most with? Pain. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's changed my life so drastically and because I have built a business around that message and a brand around that message and uh, we're not inclined to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I've just invested so much time and energy in teaching myself to do that, to, to run towards That's discomfort. Cool. And I know what you guys are going to say. What are you going to say? <laughs> um, well, I think my answer is, you want to go first? No, you go first. Okay, I'll know. let you go. The thing is, I think pain is the one I feel like it's always a work in progress, but I think I might have worked that one the most. And the example I'll give is that when he said all these tools are a work in progress, mm-hmm. my mind immediately said I was glad because that mm. makes it feel like something people are like, oh man, I don't want to keep working. I want to do that. But I'm like, whenever there's more work to do, it makes it gives me that earned confidence that you mentioned, which is like, I'm ready to be relentless from that book. I'm ready to do what others can't. And if there's another thing that says, like, oh, that's where people stop working. That's what, like, that fuels me more. Yeah. So yeah. that one is like, that's kind of weird because, like, the pain, I feel like that's the one I had to start with. But I've, I've really worked that one into, like, something I reversed. Like, I've reversed that desire, as he says. But the one that I resonated with, I think, might have been the Grateful Flow. Because I love that one of like. Did you? Which one are you going to suggest for Eddie? Oh, for Eddie? You got off topic because you you always <laughs> want to avoid the the difficult. You part. asked me, so I forgot. So the one for Eddie. Let's think. Maybe the, the grateful flow. Probably for Eddie, because a lot of times we go back and forth. We're in a situation. He might be a little bit on one side, and I'm a little bit more, almost like two out there, like giving people too much of the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And so I may maybe he'll. We argue about this all the time because yeah. I'm super pragmatic yeah. and I'm like, what do the numbers say? Yeah, and yeah. Steve's very optimistic and he's like, but things are going to be great. <laughs> like, uh, Steve, what are they now? I, I think uh, the, 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 the grateful flow, I think the maze is, could be easily, I think the, oh, the, the, maze, the algorithm right. for the grateful flow, we all get caught in the maze, but I think the, uh, the, 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 the concept of being stuck in a loop that may or may, if you were objective about it, and a lot of a lot of things that I that I've seen, you get so many great results. I think when you get smaller results, you get hit in a maze where you could just. I think I think uh, that would be one thing that when you're in when you're in there, you can't be artistic, and then you know you rob the world of a great message. Um, so whatever you use to get out of the maze, whether it's active love or the grateful flow, I think they're pretty related. Mm-hmm. You know whether you're not you're going to give 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 positive energy into somebody. Uh, it might be towards a person or a situation which is 
gratefulness, uh, the, the uh, grateful flow. So in other words, when I don't get results, I get sucked That's into... That's it, yeah. And I think it robs, it, robs the, uh, it robs your creativity. At least it costs you time, which yeah. is also... You know, that's one thing. Well, I don't, that's, I'll work on that. I'll work on flying out of that maze. It's like when someone walks over and says, hey, you, here's a good book. You may want to go to chapter chapter six. <laughs> what did you say? Chapter six. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, who are we talking about? You gave a book to someone. Oh, I my friend. Yeah, my friend Fred. He told me, don't ever give me a book again. He's pissed <laughs> off. I gave, him, I gave him a book on vision. <laughs> uh, this is a guy flying around in a helicopter too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, his private jet. Yeah, he told me. No, he listens to the podcast too. So. Hey, Fred. I loved it. I, I get his perspective though. It's like, I guess you're right. Like, I'm giving you a book on vision saying you have no vision. Um, you know, for me, uh, you know, the one that resonates most with me, I think they could help me the most. I've made progress on many of them. I think they bounce around, but right now it's inner authority. I have to be really, really conscious of that because I think it holds me back. Cause I, I almost feel myself in meetings sometimes questioning whether or not I'm, I'm even qualified to give advice because I get asked a lot of crazy questions. I've been through so much. I was on a phone last night with someone who's terminally ill with a liver failure, and I'm telling her, things that she can do to get results um, that I'm not sure will work. But I also told her she's such a delicate topic too. Well, I I can't give her medical results, but I can, I I, I referred to her, for example, I gave her an idea from a book called radical remission. You know, she's terminally ill. And, you know, I said, the last thing you should do is listen to the doctors telling you you're going to die because you, you might not because it happens all the time. I'm not dead. Mm. I like a 0% chance to live at one point without something. I said, well, the without something can happen. So your job is to stay alive long enough to get that result. So Kelly Turner wrote a book where 400 plus people were terminally ill, incurable cancer, and they lived. So she she's wanted to know why, and she found uh, like 70 different modalities, let's call it, that people use to live. Mm-hmm. They were all different. But then she found nine common ones, nine that everybody used in some way to get the, the, the result, which was living. And only four of them were like physical things. Like five of them were spiritual. They were all using some kind of support system, some kind of faith, some kind of meditation. And I told her that. But as I'm telling her that, I'm thinking to myself, am I full of shit? <laughs> and I know I'm not full of shit. And I also say, I qualified it by saying, you know, whatever works for you works. Because you got very little downside to trying something new. Right. Because the unthinkable could happen. Boom. Which is the end. The upside's always bigger. Huge. Yeah. That was it. So, all right. What about you, Steve? <laughs> um, I think that's good. I just want to say if you want to leave a question, leave a voicemail. The number is 754 273 6069. And uh, you want to hit them up with what we got for next week? Which is? It. Yeah. This is a uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. This is a really, really good book. I'd encourage you to read it before the podcast. Uh, and if you want to go out there, the audio version of this is actually kind of the combination of an audio book and a podcast. He's basically interviewed on each chapter of all the, um, the ways that he used, he was a Navy SEAL, to make himself better and reach a higher level. That's the message uh, that this book's going to bring. It's an awesome book. I'm surprised we let it slip this far, to be honest. Because, I, yeah, I read it... Um, Maybe a couple months ago, it's if I had to compare it to any book we've done on any season, it's relentless. It's like pure yeah. adrenaline motivation. It's so fun. It's a fun read. This guy's a whole nother level. He's a monster. Yeah, he's, he's a whole a nother level. So. 
Cool. Well, can't wait. All right, man. See you next week, guys. All right.